You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, David, how's it going? Uh, stressful, but we got there in the end. There you go. <laughs> I guess we should preface that by saying we started the show, we're three minutes into it when your Windows PC just went bonkers. I, I made the mistake this morning of forgetting to bring my MacBook Air in, which is what I normally do to do the show on. Um, and instead, I decided to use my work computer, and yeah, it's just gone. I couldn't believe it. It just, just basically, it's just frozen up completely. It's rubbish. <laughs> so you're on your iPad now, talking on the iPad microphone. I am, yeah. Well, it'll work. Yeah, it'll do a pinch. I'll have to get. Um, I tried to use the camera connection kit to hook my uh, headset into the iPad, but it wasn't having any of that. No, no. So, uh, a couple of weeks, uh, I guess it's been six months ago, Adobe came out saying that, uh, you know, their next big revenue stream is going to be advertising. Yeah, which is not something they're known for. Well, a lot of people wondered what that meant. Does yeah. that mean they're starting up an ad network? Or are they, you know... I wasn't sure, and I didn't think anybody else was quite sure, but we know what that means now. Yeah. And uh, that means they're going to put advertising on their products. Thankfully, that hasn't translated into banners in Photoshop or anything like that. But if you uh, update your Flash player, do a manual update, there's actually advertising, which... It it doesn't look like advertising. It looks like part of the installation process. And uh, they're dealing with very dubious companies. They're letting crap companies with crap products put their advertising there, which is scareware products. Scans your Windows PC, says, oh, look at all these errors, all these, all these problems. It even gives you, you know, critical errors on a fresh never been used before a copy of windows 8 yeah and it shows you all that you know this is bad this is bad these are critical errors these need to be fixed and for 30 dollars we can fix it for you which is you know really this as you say you said dubious companies it's a very sleazy end of the web that and you know that's the sort of stuff you expect to see on um how can I put this? Sites of low low moral character. Yes. Not not somebody you'd ex- not the sort of thing you'd expect to get served by uh, what's effectively a blue chip software company. I, I don't know how Adobe can justify this to themselves. Even I don't care how much money you're getting for this. This is this is scummy crap. Do you think they know? Of course they know. Well, <laughs> I mean, I can see a situation where they they sign a contract with an advertising company. Um, but they don't actually vet the ads, and this is the sort of stuff that's coming up. Well, if they don't vet the ads, i.e., then they wouldn't know, then they're just as guilty. In oh, fact, in fact yeah, I'm if not, anything... I'm not giving them a pass for it. No, I'm no, no. Saying is, I know. Is there's a difference between negligence and willful maliciousness, and I'm just wondering which side of the line they might be falling on here. I, Without knowing, I couldn't say. Um, I thought Adobe was a smart company, but this is a pretty stupid move, and it's very discouraging. I well, you, I mean, you say they're a smart company. I'm, I have my doubts about that. To be honest, they, they were a smart company for a long time. Yeah, but uh, for the last few years, I think they've been 
they've been showing those signs of a company that's losing its way. I don't know. They even ab- abandoned Flash for the most part on mobile. Yeah, after after spending three years of barracking everybody in the web who said it was terrible, saying no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not, in in a pretty aggressive manner. Um, That's true. And, and also, as well, we're talking about a company who uh, they spend all their time developing new products that um, have you know some pretty neat features in, but then saddling them with with you know almost Sony esque levels of DRM and licensing and complexity and cost hikes and all the sort of things that, you know, everybody absolutely loves about software. Um, and they don't show any signs of, of slowing down from that approach either. I'm really disappointed that Adobe would go this route. Um, you know, to me, the next logical step, if they see a lot of money this way, is to, to start sneaking in advertising in their regular apps so let's say you launch photoshop and instead of launching in five seconds it takes 10 seconds because it gives you a splash screen for advertising or it gives you a splash screen that you have to click to get rid of it and heaven forbid you don't click in the three millimeter x mark and you accidentally click on the ad and it takes you to a website yeah i well in in app app in-app advertising for me is something that you or on website advertising banner ads and that sort of thing is something you tolerate if you're paying a very low entry price for a product you kind of know that that's the deal you're making that you know if you're going to go and use Google which does a a very good search service you know the way they monetize that and and pay for it is by advertising to you around the sides Google Mail does the same you know if you buy a freeware or you get hold of a freeware application that off that application will often, uh, you know, be justified. It justifies its low cost or its, its zero cost by having banner ads inside the app. Uh, Apple has a platform for doing that, and you know, your own site, my Mac, has banner ads around the side of the content, and that's a way of, of helping to fund the running costs of the site. Um, I think the difference is if you paid four hundred dollars for a copy of Adobe Creative Suite to try and, uh, you know, be a creative professional, that is somewhere you do not want banner ads while you're trying to work on a Photoshop document. Um, if we ever want... see that, I think it would be the death of Adobe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the difficulty is, and, and maybe this does talk about their, um, you know, their approach to the market, the difficulty that Adobe faces is that they're trying to identify alternate revenue streams by going down these routes they're going to upset some people that would be fine if they operate in a vacuum and that was the only way you could get these products these services but Flash is the real reason Flash is in decline is because people are moving away from it in droves there's not there's an open source alternative which is HTML5 to do many of the things that Flash does and and on the software suite side there's there's Pretty much every product they make has an alternative from somebody else. Yep. So if they, if, they, if they upset their customer base by trying to you know, nickel and dime them with advertising, then people are just going to move away. I agree. Something uh, I think is really cool. And, and, you know, I don't want to be all negative all the time. So when I see something that's tech, kind of tech-related that's really freaking cool, I like to point it out. And I don't know if you uh, saw this up on Ars Technica, 
Jeff Bezos, the uh, CEO of Amazon, very rich guy, and he's yeah. way into space travel and stuff. Uh, reports finding Apollo 11's F1 engines deep in the Atlantic. I think this is very cool, and I, I you know, when the, it's been on the national news here, I mean, it's not just uh, the tech press. Um, there was actually a story on the BBC News last night, and I, I commented to my wife. I said, "That's that's that's a rich guy's hobby. That is, <laughs> it's like saying, well, like, cause I can, you know what? I know exactly how he feels. I, I love, too. I love vintage computing. I spend a lot of time browsing eBay for." really really old computers stuff that kind of i lusted after when i was you know really young the stuff that i didn't have a chance of ever affording back then and and i like to pick them up now you know for a, a few a few pounds and and then have a play with them and just see how they are and I, and basically what he's doing is a, a rich version of that it's like you know here's something that he really inspired him and he wants to go and grab a piece of it because he knows where some of it is and he's got the resources to do it. Yep. Having said that, I think the technical challenge and finding it is one thing. The technical challenge of actually getting it out of the ocean is something, you know, a quantum leap in time, effort and money, I'd say. Uh, you're talking about something that's pretty heavy, that's pretty deep. So, Big uh, balloons. Not the, uh, well, yeah, that, that's assuming it's all in pieces. Remember, the thing fell, what? Uh, 55 miles. <laughs> 55 miles it weighs a couple of hundred tons and then it hit the ocean that's like hitting a brick wall yep. and then it sank 14,000 feet and it's been down there for 40 years how much you want so, to bet um, it's in great shape oh, I, well, w- I, I would bet you I it's so. in really good shape I bet they pull it off dust it off a little bit and it looks amazing so, uh, I, I, think, I just think it's really cool and, oh, absolutely. And, and this is the kind of thing that we're la- and I've talked about this in the past as well. This is the kind of thing that the world is missing. These kind of daring, and I don't mean necessarily finding these boosters, but just the, the concept of going into space and, and exploring. That's what we were designed to do as humans. That's Our biological need is to procreate, obviously, but to explore our environment. I mean, that's what we do as a species. And while we've done a pretty good job of exploring this planet, there's still a lot of this planet that's just unknown to us. No. You know, we've always looked up what's out there, what's beyond the moon, or just getting to the moon. And I think those are the kind of things that we as a species need to focus on as well. Look, we need to feed... We need to stop wars. We need to do all those things. But looking above all of that, we need to explore the universe. And I think this is a a great way of doing that. Or maybe not a great way of doing it, but at the very least rekindling that passion in people. Rock and roll. 
Hey everybody, this is Lee Douglas of Old Time Rock and Roll, and I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. 90 minutes of the best in oldies rock and roll from the 1950s and 1960s, and sometimes early 70s. No charge ever. Just listen. www.oldtimernr.com Of what happened? What the? What? I think you need to take a little ride with us, like now. Now, wait a minute. I don't know who you guys are, and I don't know what you think you're doing, but I don't think you have any right to come in here and take me. Well, now look. Listen, or else. And, of course, uh, that is yet another show in the Stoplight Network. We're really happy to have them as part of our network. It's a great show. It's not... He plays some of the music I like, but a lot of it I don't. And that's the neat thing about podcasts. You could find podcasts that match exactly what you want to hear. And if you're interested in podcasting or you currently have a podcast, of course, the Stoplight Network would love to talk to you. Simply send an email to tim at mymac.com, and uh, we'll talk about getting you on the network. And if you've always wanted to podcast and you just never did it, you want to get into it, let me know. I can help. So Skype is acting buggy, or the network's acting buggy, or his iPad is acting buggy. I'm not sure which, but David Cohen uh, dropped out right at the end of our conversation about Jeff Bezos fighting Apollo 11's engine. So he might show up while we're chatting here. This is going to be a, a much shorter episode because I've got about an hour, hour and ten minutes to record Tech Fan while my wife has taken our little one and... Um, I think she's buying him socks today. I think that was the big thing. And uh, I can't really go over a certain amount of time because she will return with the four-year-old. And <laughs> it's, I, can't, I can't podcast with a four-year-old in the house. It's, it is impossible to do. And I don't think she's going to be late getting home because it looks like it's nighttime outside right now and it's raining. So I know she just wants to get home. So I'm going to continue doing the podcast. Waiting to see if David shows back up. Um, and uh, I got a text from text from me. He says, uh, I'm wondering if the Skype system itself is the problem. I can't get back online. So there's that. I don't think it's a Skype system because I see a lot of people on Skype right now. I think the problem is somewhere on David's end. Um, he has a lot of network problems. The company he works for, I think they need to hire some network guys because, oi, Oi, I tell you, oi. So I'll just continue, and uh, if he shows back up, we'll bring him on the show. If not, I'll go another 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops, and wrap it up. Another news item I thought would be kind of fun to talk about. <laughs> Dell ends smartphone sales in the U.S. Now, of course, my first question, or my first response to that is, holy crap, Dell was selling smartphones? Really? <laughs> I had no idea. Did you know that you could have bought a Dell smartphone? Really? Dell? And uh, this is from PC World. It says, Dell has stopped selling smartphones in the U.S. as it tweaks its mobile strategy to focus more on emerging markets and higher margin products. In other words, they want to go <gasps> the Apple route. <laughs> they, oh, man. 
Dell has nixed its last-standing Venue and Venue Pro smartphones, and no replacements have been announced. The smartphone has run its course, a Dell spokesman said. Mobility products have a shorter lifestyle than laptops and desktops, he said. Duh. Um, Or, you know, if you're not making the iPhone, nobody wants your product. Might have more to do with it. So, yeah, so they're, they're, what, what, there was a time that if you wanted to get a PC, Dell was always at the top of that list. And I, you don't hear anything about Dell anymore. Is Dell even going to be around in a few more years? I mean, what's their strategy to continue to sell cheap PCs? Well, you can't do that. The margins are nothing. How do you pay all these employees? You know, Dell... The big thing about Dell when they first came out was they were so good at managing that market. They knew about distribution, uh, fast order taking, all of that. They were really good. But from what I've seen from the outside looking in, they didn't continue to innovate. They kind of stagnated. And I don't think that they realize that the world changes, especially the tech world. Whereas everybody wanted a cheap this and a cheap that for a long time. Now everybody wants a good this or a good that. And if it costs more, so be it. And I think more and more people are apt to spend a little bit more to get a a better product. And a cheap PC is still a cheap PC. And I don't think people are happy with cheap PCs anymore. And that's just the way the world works. Uh, Eventually, it will probably go the other way where people will not be willing to spend a premium price for a premium product. They'll just want, eh, just a $199 iPad-like device. doesn't have to be an iPad, just a cheap one. It'll probably go that route. But right now, people are wanting to spend, well, I should rephrase it. They're not wanting to spend a lot of money, but they're willing to spend a lot of money on a quality product, like the iPad, like the iPhone, like a MacBook Air. Because these products are so superior to the cheap products that are out there that Dell has historically done well selling. So I don't know. You know, Dell, I've bought stuff from Dell in the past. I've always had good experience with them. I don't dislike their company. Uh, I kind of dislike the products because they're just cheap PCs. But I don't know. I You know, there's a lot of people that work for Dell and they're they're good people. And I hope that company figures out where their strengths are, and they can recover from this. A company that doesn't seem to be recovering, however, is RIM. Massive layoffs just announced. They got rid of, I believe, the co-founder. He's gone. Um, The CFO, he's gone. I don't know what's going (laughs) on. You know, I, I said this a while ago. Nobody likes to root for a company that has the stink of loser on them. And, wow. I don't know if you could hear that through the microphone, but there was some good thunder going on right now here. Um, Dell has, I'm sorry, Rim has the stink of loser on them. And I don't know how they pull that back. You know, you look at where the cell phone market's going. Well, clearly iPhone's in the lead. Uh, A lot of people are enjoying Android devices. I know a couple people who have an Android device and really like them. And Windows 8 Mobile looks to really be... uh, a pretty good competitor out there. Where does RIM fit into that? 
Well, they said that they're going to refocus on not the consumer market, that they're going to look at corporate sales. You already lost that realm. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you. Corporate places, you know, corporate businesses, they're going to the iPhone. They're going to use Android devices. They are not going to switch to RIM. The the whole Crackberry thing is over. There's no such thing as a Crackberry. People d- are not addicted to your phones at all. Your technology is way behind the time. Your industrial design is a joke. And you guys are floundering. And I hate to say it, but I don't think you're going to be around in a few more years. If it even takes that long. They're also saying that they're open to being purchased by someone. Well, who the hell's? Well, there you go, Dell. Dell, there's your new go go buy rim. That's an idea. Looks like David Cohen is back on Skype. Let's see if we can uh, chat with him if his uh, his connection is working. Hello, David. I feel like I'm in the dark ages. I tell you, I am in the dark ages because it's getting really dark here right now, and it's raining, and I'm hearing thunder. So. Like I was telling, uh, like I was saying on the show a few minutes ago, with or without you, I was going to have to wrap up the show in probably another ten minutes at the most because yeah. bad weather. Julie's not going to stay out of the house for very long with the kids. So, um, I was talking about Dell ending their smartphone sales, to which I said, "Who knew that Dell was even in the smartphone business?" <laughs> I was surprised. And then, uh, on a related note. It, it just keeps getting worse for RIM. In fact, they, they fired a whole bunch of people. They're consolidating. They say they're going to get out of... Or they're going to refocus on the enterprise market. To which I say the enterprise market's already moved to Android and iPhone. It's too late there. Uh, yeah, that, well, that, that was my response when I, when I read that this morning. I thought, well, that doesn't sound like a great move to me. Mm-hmm. Because I think, yeah, I think they're already... The problem is they've had outages... They've had some legal problems, um, and their phones seem very much to be, you know, very much perceived to be crap uh, behind the times. Well, that's what I said. And their industrial design is a joke. Yeah, yeah. And, their software the, is a joke. They they have the, nothing to offer at this point. That's the, that's their key problem. Is that is that the uh, functionality of the handsets is now very much behind the curve. Now, in times gone past, I mean. My my company, you, we were all BlackBerry. Sure, but um, that's and, and, that's done. That's gone. Well, well, the thing is, is we are we are gradually migrating to iPhone, and as the Blackberries go away, people are are saying, "I want an iPhone instead," and they find it for email, it does just as good a job, and it does many more things that a BlackBerry can't do. Yep. So that that's and I, and I think that's that's probably for a lot of companies that's going to be a fairly good capture of how they feel about BlackBerry at the moment. So I'm not sure retrenching to the corporate space is, is going to help them that much. If anything, it's it's, it's going to hurt a, them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they've already they already lost the consumer. So what else? What else could they say? Of course, they're going to say that. But they also said when, and I found this a little interesting that they would be open to being purchased. To which I say, well, you know, Dell is looking for something else. They're looking for. <laughs> well, there's a hey Dell rims for sale. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just loser plus loser equal winner? I, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think whenever you look about an acquisition, you've got to say, well, what's the upside for the company of doing the acquiring? They're the ones shelling out the money. Now, is is buying into something like um, 
like Rim, which is you know seem to be on the ropes at the moment. Does that strengthen Dell's proposition? Does it improve their their market position? It's it means they're getting into a into a uh, market space that they've already proven they can't do well, uh, and they're doing it with a with a product line that's already been kind of savaged by the market. I don't I don't see an upside for them if they were to make that move. <laughs> it would be funny though, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, it would, but um, I, guess I agree it with be, you. They're it not... wouldn't be funny if you're a Dell stockholder. Put mm. it that way. Well, I don't know. You look at Nokia; they were on the ropes massively, and then they basically signed an agreement with Microsoft, and they're getting a lot of—I don't want to say you know—great press, but they're getting a lot more positive press than they had for a while. They're getting positive press, but. Um, the press you get, um, oh, WebOS, WebOS and Palm got lots of positive press, but it didn't save save them from sparring inexorably down the drain. And um, you know, I, I think the jury's still out on the Nokia Microsoft thing. I, I, Microsoft's uh, Windows smartphone platform is not selling the sort of volume they need at the moment to keep that viable. And there's there's only going to be a certain amount of time that that um, Nokia and Microsoft can afford to bankroll it. You so, see that uh, whole smoked by uh, Windows eight. Phone yeah, thing. well, that's just typical, you know, stupid. I, you know, I hate people who are in advertising. I, for anybody listening to advertising, you know, I don't mean this to, to disrespect for you on a personal level, but when you come up with these ideas and then pitch them to dumb corporate executives who go, "Yeah, that sounds really like a really good idea." Please, if you just keep your mouth shut, just say we, we haven't got anything. No, we have got nothing. Come on, some yeah, <laughs> just just say. Well, you know, we'll stick a couple of pictures in the window and we'll hope people buy it. But don't do these, you know, these whack campaigns. Uh, you know, know to make it pip. If Microsoft really wanted to make a lot of money in mobile, they would throw all their efforts into making apps for the iPhone and the iPad. Yeah. And I'm not joking at all. Microsoft's got some very good software people. You it, Look at the Xbox. The whole reason the Xbox is successful is because of the software. Now, it's yeah. not the box. It's the software. They and throw the those people yeah. into what's emerging as, you know, the number one products out there, and they are the iOS platform. I think they would do extremely well. Well, the clue's in the name. Microsoft, they are a software company. That's what they started doing, and that's what they've always been best at. All this platform stuff is not really their bag. No. I don't know. Could you hear the thunder there? Yeah, I did. It's uh, getting ready to come down here, I think. So we should probably wrap this up. It's going to be you know, a little bit less than a half-hour show, but that's okay. There's no uh, mandate on how how long or how short a tech fan has to be, right? Well, we'll just have to do two hours next week. Well, you know, one of the things <laughs> I did want to talk about, unfortunately, is the whole Mike Daisy saga. Yeah. Which I think is sad and infuriating and um worth a conversation but i don't but i don't want to do it in a half hour or in five minutes yeah you know it's that's a good 20 25 minute conversation um there's so many different angles there and for those who don't know what we're talking about just google the guy and uh, his name is mike daisy he's the guy who reported underage people working at the uh the plants in china that makes the iphone and in the ipad and it's it's just a a pathetic story and 
it's definitely going to be worth something to talk about in the future. Okay, yeah, well, we'll make sure we cover that next week. Yeah, that'd be something. In the meantime, David, where are you on Twitter? I am at David B. Cohen. And you can tweet, tweet me as much as you want, and then the crappy network infrastructure in Britain supply, uh, complying, I'll reply back to you. <laughs> and uh, I am at MyMac on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, you know, we do kind of have a Facebook page, but it's under MyMac. And uh, the, the, here's the problem, David. I, I created a, a MyMac Facebook page, but I couldn't make it Facebook dot com slash my mac because that's me yeah so it's there and the only way to find it is facebook.com slash my mac online right now we've got about 135 or so likes and if you like this show please like that page because i post updates there and uh we would be happy very good We're happy together <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I don't feel yeah, yeah. Uh, all the network stuff aside, David, man, I wish we could have kept going because uh, just you know, I wanted to hang out and talk to you for a while. So hopefully next week we can have those problems resolved and spend a little bit more time. Yeah, that'd be good. All right. So for David, I'm Tim. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.